This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com. That's H-A-W-G Sports.com. Today on the show, we're going to talk about some missed opportunities for Arkansas. What if things had turned out a little bit differently? I think there are definitely some games that Arkansas should have won. So we're going to discuss what maybe things look like if things were just a little bit different. We're also going to take a deep dive into basketball with Pete Roulier, going to talk about this Alabama game coming up and all the problems that surround that. And we'll take your questions as well, maybe get into a little bit of recruiting also. All that and more on Hog Sports Live. So, as I was mentioning, what if Arkansas were, say, 4-3 and three right now? What if they were 4-3 and three this season? So... If they were four and three, you'd look at the schedule and say, okay, well, they got three more home games. Mississippi State, that's beatable. Western Kentucky, they should win that one. Maybe they get Missouri. They just got to win two of those three home games and they're going to a bowl game. So, what would that look like? Really, all it would look like is beating San Jose State like they should have, like they should have come up to play for that, and beating Kentucky or Texas A&M. So say they played Texas A&M, they took care of business against San Jose State. They showed up with the right attitude because they didn't show up with the right mind frame. They should have won that game. And so they play Texas A&M to four points that they fall in that game, and then they beat Kentucky on the road, which they should have won that game also. That's just asking for a 50-50 split in those two SEC games that were decided by four points. How would you feel about the program right now? I think if that that had all happened, then they probably would have shown better against Auburn. Not going to beat Auburn, but would have shown up better against Auburn versus fifty-one to ten. So they're four and three right now. How would you feel about the direction of this program? I think, you know, you wouldn't be doing backflips in the street or anything, but I think you'd feel probably encouraged about the direction of the program. Just that subtle difference. And the problem has been that Arkansas right now is just one in seven in games decided by a touchdown or less. One in seven. So if they're 50% in those games, then Arkansas, instead of being 4-15 and 15 under Chad Morris, they're 7-12 and 12 under Chad Morris. That's just asking for 50%. 1-7, that one game, that one win, is against Portland State. It's not asking for a lot. All you're asking for to be 50% in those games is obviously the, t- the Portland State game, which you know should have been a blowout win for Arkansas. San Jose State this season, Colorado State last season, I mean, that's not asking for a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, it's not. And then Kentucky or Texas A&M. I mean, it's, it's just not asking for a whole lot. They also lost to Texas A&M last year by seven, lost to LSU, I guess, by seven. That could have been a little bit bigger. But still, I mean, you're not asking for a, a lot in terms of San Jose State, Colorado State, Kentucky, you know. Not a, not a lot of games that you're asking for. Um, if they won those games, you probably look at showing better against North Texas following that Colorado State game I and mean, everything turned when that game happened. Um, you know, showing better against the you know Mississippi State, Missouri at the end of the year, Auburn this year. Some of those games where you were just completely blown out of the water. And I, I don't think there's any mistake that they let go of the rope last year. 
So just a few wins here. Just asking for 50% performance in some of those 50-50 games, and the whole outlook of this program is probably better. Probably not getting, uh, you know, the let go of the rope mentality to end last year. So the program needs more time to get better players in here to where they're talking about competing against uh, some of these more high-profile teams, obviously. They need more players. They need better depth. But there's still no excuse for some of the losses that they've had, particularly this San Jose State game. There's no excuse for only beating Portland State by seven in the opener. So anyway, just a few of my thoughts. I'm interested to hear what your opinions are on this. What if Arkansas were four and three right now with a win over Kentucky, a close game against Texas A&M that they, they lost, beating San Jose State like they should have? Interested to hear what you would think right now, because right now people aren't very happy, and I don't blame them one bit. I don't blame them. So, while you're interacting, letting us know what you think, I want you to know there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. Facebook Live, where we're always streaming live, also available on YouTube, which is where we upload immediately after we record this. Available on Apple Podcasts right now, hogsports.com is the number one rated show on Apple Podcasts. I want to ask you to follow the page on Facebook Live if you have not done so already. On YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit the notifications bell so you're notified every time we upload a new video on YouTube. And I just want to say this, but like only 25% of the people that are subscribed to the show on YouTube watch the show. So go ahead and subscribe so you're notified anytime because most of the people aren't subscribed to the show or aren't subscribed to the channel on YouTube. Um, and again, throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, also available on Spotify and Stitcher. Hogsports.com is just $1 right now for your first month. If you want to sign up right now, go to HAWGsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, just $1 for your first month. Or you can take the yearly option, sign up for an annual subscription, get a seven-day free trial with that, and take 30% off your first year. So, it's an interesting time right now to sign up for hogsports.com. I, I find, you know, I think it's interesting. The traffic right now on hogsports has been, I mean, it's been basically what it would be like when they're winning or when there's a lot of excitement around the program, even though there's so much negativity. And I think it just shows, first of all, people are excited about basketball season and basketball season starting to get humming. But also people are concerned about this football program. People are really concerned. And I don't blame them. And I think it just goes to show that Hog fans, you know, when it comes to when it comes down to it, they're going to follow this program. You know, even if people aren't showing up to the games like you would you would like, they had one of the lowest attended games um, since the expansion in 2001 of Razorback Stadium, 54,000. I think that was just tickets sold. There may not have been that many people in there. It was an 11 o'clock game, but they've had other 11 o'clock games, and they've had good crowds for those. So, but people still care about the direction of this program. There's no question about it. So, too many blown opportunities for Razorbacks. Yes, they need more talent. Yes, they need more time to get players in here, all of that stuff. But the bottom line is there are games that they should have and could have won that would make people feel a lot better about the direction that they're in right now. One in seven, that's not a good, that's not a good record in games that's got to decided by a score or less or a touchdown or less. Big plays have been a big problem. Pete Royer's got a nice story on how many big plays have, have – cost Arkansas. They've given up 116 plays of 10-plus yards, which is second worst in the SEC. 37 plays of 20 or more yards, which is 10th in the SEC. And 13 plays of 30-plus yards, 7 plays of 40-plus yards, and 5 plays of 50-plus yards, and then 2 plays of 70-plus yards through 7 games this season. That's not a good stat. Arkansas is also uh, a terrible Red zone conversion team for the second year in a row. 
They are currently last in the SEC at 66.7% scoring when they get in the red zone. They're tied for the worst touchdown team when they get in the red zone. Again, 41.7% this year. Not good numbers. That is not winning football, guys. And then when you flip it to the other side, they are the worst red zone defense in the SEC. The worst red zone defense. And touchdown percentage, they're the worst touchdown percentage defense. Is that right? Worst? Not worst. Excuse me. Third from worst in scoring percentage and the worst touchdown. None of those are good statistics regardless. So, struggling in the red zone on both sides of the ball. A big part of all this is the offensive line. Now, not all of it is on the offensive line. Again, they have games they should have won. But when you consider what they've gone through, defensive line and offensive line have been snake bitten, particularly at defensive end. Now, they're about as healthy as they're going to be at defensive end. Obviously, lost Dorian Gerald for the year. That was a big blow. Their best defensive end on the team. They've also lost uh, Jamario Bell, who's having a pretty good season uh, for a good chunk. They lost uh, Matteo Soli for, for some games, and he's been playing with a cast on his hand. Um, I don't guess they've lost him for games, but they, they he's been out. Um Eric Gregory was a guy that was going to factor in and uh, had an injury early on. So they've, they've definitely been snake bitten at, at defensive line. But offensive line, you know, you consider the very first practice of the year, you lose Noah Gatlin right off the bat. And that's, you know, your starting right tackle. He wasn't starting at the time, but he was going to be the starter. He was going to be the starter at right tackle. Left tackle, Colton Jackson's been in and out. He's had a foot, a back, uh, a couple of concussions this season. I mean, he's just – He's been banged up. He's going to miss this one on Saturday. Austin Capps has missed time this season. You've got Kirby Adcock in at left guard in place of him. Uh, so you've you've definitely had some issues with injuries on the offensive line, and that has been part of the problem. But it hasn't been the only problem. I mean, quarterback play has still been an issue. You can say the quarterback isn't getting enough time, but quarterback play has been an issue. And if you want to boil it down, then Starkle has really cost them in a couple of games. I mean, he's he cost them the San Jose State game. He cost them the Kentucky game. It's not all on him. And I don't mean to come down on him because he's got such ability. And we can talk about the quarterback situation and what Arkansas should be doing. My personal opinion is, and I hate this for Ben Hicks, because, you know, he gave up his opportunity at, uh, at SMU, came to Arkansas, wanted a chance to play in the SEC for former coaches. But it, Arkansas is not going to a bowl game this year. And really, the goal is to – right now, the goal is to win an SEC game. That's the goal. Beat Western Kentucky, win an SEC game. And they've got two opportunities to do that, really. I mean, they're not going to beat Alabama, obviously. they got Mississippi State, Missouri. So, just a couple of opportunities to beat SEC teams left. But you also have to start thinking about next year. Okay, and Ben Hicks isn't going to be here next year, and that's where I get to the part where it just kind of stinks for him. Nick Starkle is going to be here. And in my opinion, Starkle, when Starkle is on, he gives you the best opportunity to beat anybody. Now, he's cost him because, when his, as I mentioned in a recent podcast, his highs are very high, his lows are very low. Ben Hicks just kind of stays in the middle somewhere. So what I'm thinking is, you know, you start Starkle and – if he's not on his game, you'll be able to tell pretty early and you go to another quarterback right there. I don't think John Stephen Jones is the answer at quarterback. I just don't know that he has the arm strength, the size, all those things that you look for, although he has taken the first rep in practice as we've been exiting when they go into team. They usually do that period two. 
They've been doing it on period five. I don't know if that's to hide things from us or to make it look like they're hiding things. I don't know. But John Stephen Jones has been the first quarterback to take first-team reps in team the last two practices. But I say start Starkle, and then if that doesn't work out, then maybe you go to Hicks. Or uh, After this Alabama game, I think then it's KJ time. I think that you still start Starkle because you still want to have your best opportunity to win. But if Starkle's not on, your next guy in is KJ Jefferson. And let's start thinking about next year, okay? There's no benefit for KJ Jefferson to throwing him to the Wolves against Alabama in his first action and burning his red shirt because you probably will play him in the next uh, four games after that. There are five games remaining. So, oh, LSU. I didn't mention LSU earlier, but that's I don't. they're not going to beat LSU on the road. That's not going to happen either. So, your last two opportunities at, a, at an SEC win are Missouri and Mississippi State. But, again, start Starkle. If he's not on and against Alabama, then you go to Ben Hicks. Maybe they want to give John Stephen Jones a look. I don't know. I mean, he moves the ball in practice. He just doesn't have a very big arm. And I'll say this about practice yesterday. I did not think they looked very good in the passing game. Now, I'm just watching the you know, quarterbacks throw to receivers, throwing different routes to the wide receivers. And just know, and it was a windy day, but the quarterbacks were off. Uh, I've never seen Big Hicks throw so many wobblers, and he's got a left shoulder injury, and maybe that's affecting him some. But it looks like he's gripping the ball too hard. Because it was, I mean, just some ducks. I'm not talking about wobbly spirals, but he was throwing some bad ducks. Um, you know, Starkle usually throws the same ball, just very crisp. But not ju- it wasn't just the quarterbacks. They were drops from the wide receivers. It just, they did not look very in sync, and they're not going up against a defense. I just remember leaving practice yesterday going, man, they look like hell today. So that's not a good sign heading into the Alabama game. Hopefully they'll get that straightened up. But that's my opinion on the quarterback situation. I think you go with go with Starkle and move away from him if he's not on. You'll be able to tell pretty quickly. Some injury stuff I mentioned earlier, just some stuff mainly with the offensive line. Jordan Jones still, that's unfortunate. He just looked like he's not going to get healthy this season. But uh, Colton Jackson going to be out for the game most likely. He's listed as doubtful. I would say that's he's out. Um, Kirby Adcock is de- – or excuse me, Kirby Adcock is definitely replacing Austin Caps, who has a concussion protocol is definitely going to be out. So, that's where you are. That's where you are right now. Okay, let's see how far we've gone in here. I haven't even been paying attention. 15 minutes. Okay, I said I was going to go ahead and get to Pete Roulier. I told him it would be about 15, 20 minutes. So, we're going to go ahead and bring Pete in. For those of you who aren't familiar with Pete, he handles a lot of our content, does our daily beat writer stuff for football, basketball, and uh, is our – really our main only uh, baseball guy. So Pete does a great job, been with us for the better part of a year now. You can read all of his stuff at hawgsports.com. Trey, what's up, man? Hey, Pete, how you doing, man? Just talking to these Uh, people about uh, what might have been if Arkansas had done things a little bit differently and, you know, just hitting on a few injury topics and stuff. What's going on in your neck of the woods? Man, not a lot. You said you're talking about if Arkansas would have done things differently, how? If they'd have done things differently in terms of winning the game, coming in with the right mental attitude against San Jose State and taking care of business like they should in that one, and then winning a 50-50 game against Texas A&M and a 50-50 game against Kentucky, you know, winning one of those two games. And sitting here at 4-3 and three right now, and if they were, you know, if they were 4-2 and two heading into the Auburn game, I would guess they probably played Auburn a lot better. I think that there's doubt in this team right now. I don't think that they think that they can go and beat – 
Kentucky. I don't think that they thought that they could beat Auburn. Excuse me, think that they can go beat Alabama, but I don't think they thought they could beat Auburn. And I think that's just a product of losing games the way that they have at this point in the season. So I'm just what I'm saying is, if Arkansas had taken care of business against San Jose State and they'd won one of those two games against Texas A&M and Kentucky, how would people feel right now? Even if they would have just beat San Jose State, because man, that loss is just lingering. Yeah, really, really stinky right now. It's yeah. just such a doo-doo loss and it's just kind of circulated throughout the locker room mm-hmm. and I agree with you they should have beat Kentucky I don't know about A&M but going into that game I felt that, that they were definitely going to win that one just by the way they played against A&M mm-hmm. um, and they, they had the better team they just didn't execute the game plan or something because that was just an ugly loss to a wide receiver at quarterback so now you're right now you're coming into this Alabama game and, and I think I can feel it I don't think there's a lot of hope even with two out which should give a, any team hope. Like, hey, man, their best player is not playing. Um, it still feels like I don't think they, they feel like they can win this game. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. And I mean, it's just <laughs> that Alabama hasn't lost in eighty-eight tries against an unranked team. Going back to two thousand seven, when they lost to Louisiana Monroe in Nick Saban's first year. Arkansas is not, Arkansas is not going to be the team to break that streak. Well, I, I remember doing a story on the SEC teleconference, and I kind of put verbatim what Nick Saban said. He was mm-hmm. saying, we have a lot of respect for Arkansas, you know, and people were going like, you, you don't have respect for Arkansas. But if you win 88 straight conference games, I mean, that's the mindset you got to have. Mm-hmm. And he really is looking at Arkansas, like looking at their pauses, like, hey, they have moved the ball some on some defenses. So, I mean, we got to be prepared for everything. That's just insanely impressive. I mean, that's a stat that just blows my mind. Yeah, I, well um... – you know, Saban's just going to – he always says that. You know, whenever they've got he, – he talks his toughest really when they've got a team that he's worried about his team kind of overlooking and not playing their best. I don't think he's worried about losing to Arkansas, but just not coming out and playing their best. And when you do that, you know, stuff seeps into the program and stuff. But I remember like a couple of years ago when he said uh, – he, he used a different word, but he, I think he was talking about Georgia State ran through us like crap through a tin horn. <laughs> you, remember, yeah. you remember that comment? That comment oh, you yeah. Know? Um, but he seems to, you know, do things to try to get hit. And, you know, he'll he'll take jabs at the media kind of, you know, it, just using it as a as a way to to motivate his team. Um, rat poison. Yeah, rat poison. <laughs> the media is rat poison. Exactly. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Pete, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about basketball. The basketball okay. team, I mean, there's there's some interesting things going on, you know, with uh, starting the exhibition season against Little Rock. I didn't get a chance. I was at the game but didn't get a real, real chance to watch it because – I was trying to get photos. You know, we needed some stock photos and stuff. There's not going to be anybody from USA Today uh, sports images taking pictures and stuff at that one. So we needed some photos. We needed some video. Uh, Nolan Richardson, Nolan Richardson court, all that stuff. We wanted to have video of all that stuff, which you recorded that, uh, and some photos of all that kind of stuff. So I ended up, you know, just kind of working on all that stuff and just kind of peeking up here and there watching the game. So I'm interested to hear your interpretation of, of how they played against Little Rock, the first exhibition, first game, first time against an opponent under Eric Musselman. I thought they looked pretty good at times, and, and especially coming out of the gate. But the big thing that stood out to me is Trey, man, they took 35 threes. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of three-pointers. I mean, I, and it's not unusual in college basketball. I mean, you saw the way Auburn did it last year, and it, Auburn was a dang good team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it seems like that's the way they're going to play. And the, the interesting thing about that is Musselman said they didn't really come to the game expecting to shoot 35 threes. That wasn't the game plan, but then he said – when you, once you get out there with an opponent, that's just kind of how the offense went. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of like going to be their bread and butter. Isaiah Joe is a killer from three-point range. Desi Sills, is, he's a killer from three-point range. Mason Jones uh, got, got to get it going, but you know what he can do on the floor. And uh, I think the another one that was impressive was Jimmy Whip. He's not going to be a three-point guy, but, I mean, he started uh, the starting lineup with, like, I think Gene Tao Sila, Silla, sorry, Adriel Bailey, Jimmy Whip. Uh, Desi Sills and Isaiah Joe, and uh, you got Joe and Sills out there that can shoot, and so can Silla. But Jimmy Witt was just a kind of a great facilitator, and also with all those three pointers, there's a lot of room for uh, offensive rebounds. And Jimmy Witt got a lot of those. He was actually the top rebounder, so it's going to be a little bit different than what you're used to with Daniel Gafford out on the floor. That's for sure. Couple of but, couple uh, of thoughts, real quick. First of all, I don't have any problem at all with uh, with Isaiah Joe taking 15 threes. I mean, I think that's. That's fine. <laughs> I oh, mean, the guy can, can flat stroke it. Secondly, if they get Connor Van over eligible, then they could shoot more than 35 threes a game because that guy can light it up too, which is just crazy to see from a 7-3 guy. And last, are we going with John Gene Tall? Because that's what the PA guy calls him, Gene Tall. It's really, it's really Jean Tall, Silla, but – he lets since he comes to America, he's like everybody says Gene Tall, so we're going to go Gene Tall. So is that are we going to official, officially? Let's call it for everybody. If we all want to get on board with this, okay, guys, it's not Gene Tall. All right, mm-hmm. that's just disrespectful. It's not Gene Tall, but we can go with Gene Tall. All right, we'll go Gene Tall. I, we're not going Jean Tall. We're going to go with the American pronunciation version, Jean Gene Tall. All right, next everybody. time we have him, we should ask him. That's what he said. We've, I've had him on. We had him on the Hog Hustle. I believe it was the Hog Hustle. But we had him somewhere, and you know, just kind of asked him, you know, and that's that was pretty much. No, 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 that's not right. It was on a video that he did at his previous school. He did a he did a video, and the guy was interviewing. He's just asked like, him. I don't care. Just yeah, he's like whatever. it's John Tall, but everybody says Gene Tall. Okay, enough of that. So upcoming. They've got a game Friday against Southwestern Oklahoma State, the final exhibition game of the season. That game's at seven o'clock in Bud Walton Arena. Um, so that's the final exhibition, and they open the season. I mean, it's a while till they open the season, November 5th against Rice. So right. a pretty big break after this second exhibition game. What I want to see from this ex- expedition game is a lot more from Reggie Cheney. Mm-hmm. And he fouled out. I mean, I think he had 
three or four fouls in the yeah. first half, and then eventually ended up fouling out. And he kind okay. of felt it felt like he was a little lost in the offense. I had three players foul field. out. <laughs> Mason Jones and, and Jalen Harris also. They did, but it was just it was disappointing because I wanted to see what Reggie Cheney could do at that true five spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just fouled out pretty early. And I, like I said, I, think, I felt like he was kind of lost in the offense, just like. You know, they're shooting all these threes. What's his role in it? I think we'll figure it out because I think that Reggie Cheney is a good player. So I just want to see more from him in this next game. And then um, Jalen Harris coming off the bench is really impressive. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty pretty cool that you got two true point guards um, and him and Jimmy Witt. So that's kind of a weapon. And that, neither of them can shoot threes. Hey, Jalen Harris, one for one. Yeah, but he's not – I've seen his mechanics. It hasn't changed much. He still does the cockback thing. It's not going to improve that much. He might he's improve He's definitely a not bit, a weapon. He's yeah. definitely not a weapon from range. Yeah. I mean, and Jimmy Witt can't shoot threes, but he brings a lot to the table, especially with rebounding. He had nine rebounds in the game, and that's that's pretty solid. And they, they're going to need that from their guards because they're just not a very big team. I mean, you talk about Reggie Chaney playing the five, and he's, you know, Chaney's 6'8", listed at 6'8", probably not quite 6'8". Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you got Silla down there, Bailey. I mean, you're just – it's just a very small team. Even if you get Vanover. You know, the benefit with Van, Vanover, I think, is just being able to draw – um, their the opponent's big man out because you know he can shoot threes and you know he's not going to be a guy that's going to back people down and he's going to get back down himself because he's so long, but he's going to block a lot of shots and knock down a bunch of shots as well. If they can get oh, him eligible, he's one of like seventy four. So they cleared thirty four people who've requested waivers and denied like seven something like that, and then they have like seventy four that they haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, you kind of feel hopeful about it, right? I mean, the numbers would say, yeah. They're I mean, in your favor, and that would be huge for this team. And huge. like you said, I I'm, mean. I might the, say they're a tournament team if they get Van over. I'm not sure that they yeah, are right uh, now, agree. but I think if they got Van over, I think that might be enough to push them over the top. Just barely. That's like in. three or four wins right there, in my opinion, if you get Van over. Yeah. I mean, he's had some big games for him. I mean, his last game against Stanford, he knocked down like five threes. I mean, he had a, he had a big game. Uh, that's the last regular season game, I guess, for him, not tournament play. But, um, yeah, I would I would love to see Van over out there. He would add a different dimension to what is a very small team overall right now. I like the way they played, man. Uh, just the muscleman coaching, he was fiery on the sidelines. Um, they actually, when it got to the half-court offense, it wasn't stale, and muscleman didn't really expect that from his team either. Kind of expect him to be kind of a run-and-shoot team. But when they got to the half-court offense, they were moving the ball well. I mean, probably – a lot better than you saw last year at times. But then again, they're a three-point team and three-point shooting team and there are some stale there are some stale moments that Little Rock was able to come back and get in the game. I mean, that's a little bit concerning like if you if you're off in three-point range, then what are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. I mean, Gene Tao can bang a little bit inside, but he's a, he doesn't have the size to be a difference maker down there and really having to scrap for buckets is going to be tough with this team. I wish there was a bigger early game. There's not like that real early notable game you know it's rice north texas montana texas southern south dakota and then just over a month away before they play at georgia tech it's not it's not even in Fayetteville. so that's november 25th when they play at georgia tech and then you've got northern kentucky austin p western kentucky tulsa valpo and then indiana indiana december 29th but that is in bloomington you know, you don't have you don't have that like marquee home game this year. You know, until um, the end of the year, um, you get Texas A and M on January twenty fourth in Bud Walton Arena. That's the first real big 
home game in terms of like you would expect a, a real big crowd of like, you know, 17,000 or more. Well, imagine if they go into that game with two or three losses, maybe even one or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be insane. It's just like the Musselman area has arrived. It's possible. I, I mean, think- all these uh, on the outset, I mean, I don't know what Rice or, has really or uh, or Western Kentucky Tulsa, the, you know, Valpo, Valpo, I guess. Valpo, and that's in Little Rock. Valpo is a notable program, uh, but mm-hmm. it's in, in North Little Rock. So, I mean, it's, well, it's was possible. Was it Western that Kentucky be, that came in and beat Arkansas last season? I, I don't remember, but, you know, the Western Kentucky typically has a notable, you know, not, so does Tulsa. I mean, notable program. So, well, let's see what else we got here for you, Pete. What do you think about this Alabama game? <laughs> Man, <laughs> How do you think things uh, are going to play out? I don't think it really matters that Mac Jones is in there, man. Uh, just these wide receivers, Ruggs, yeah. Judy, Smith, it's just a mismatch in the secondary. So I think the only way that Arkansas is going to keep it close is by not allowing freaking a 50-yard play on the second place yeah. of scrimmage like they have been recently. they got to get they got to get to Jones or else it's going to be a long day. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if it's anything short of a long day. No pun intended. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just – it's going to be a rough one. They're just not anywhere. Not only are they not in a position talent-wise where they can go in and, like, compete with Alabama on the road in Tuscaloosa, but I just don't know that the mind frame is there for this one. I really don't. I don't know that – I mean, you have to believe that you've got to win. I loved what Houston said. That's, let's talk about Houston not a little bit. How old were you? <laughs> you weren't very old when Houston was still at Arkansas, but I remember him very well. I mean, he when I first started – when I was a student at the University of Arkansas, I enrolled in 96, and Houston came in in 98. And I remember it was just such a breath of fresh air coming from Danny Ford. And then they beat Alabama 42-6 to in Fayetteville. And I remember being in the stands just being like, I mean, they just beat Alabama 42-6. to right. I couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> just, a, just an amazing yeah. year. I mean, I was down there in 99, rushing the field uh, when they uh, tore down the goalposts. Here's an interesting story about that game in 99, Pete. So, so they're beating Tennessee. They're, they're going to win the game. And I'm in the student section and I'm trying to come out and there's just this push of people, you know, and okay, wait, 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 you're trying to come out. I'm trying, trying to, to come out onto the field, field onto the field okay. from the stands. Trying to rush the field. Gotcha. Right. And there's this wave of people pushing you. And when I get to the steps where you, you come out, I mean, I just exploded, just like, just kind of launched out onto the field and the the flag girls are, you know, they're putting their flags down. And I don't know if you've ever picked up one of those flags that they use, but they're like hollow, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, I mean, you could, you could snap it over your leg pretty easy. And so I'm, you know, my momentum's carrying me and I'm rushing out there and I start tiptoeing, like trying to avoid the flags that are all lined up, but I'm, okay. I'm not tiptoeing. I'm just hitting each one of them and cracking them over and over again like each step I try to avoid it and I can't slow myself down and this girl the flag girl screaming at you at me she's going you a-hole and I'm like I'm sorry as I'm running off but I just crushed every single one of those flags yeah they probably had to I mean they had to replace all of them I'm sure I don't know what they did but I I destroyed all of them in that Tennessee 99 game and then helped tear the goalpost down uh, after that that's such a degenerate move well I didn't mean to it's not – I was trying to – I couldn't help it. Doesn't it doesn't matter. That's still such a funny visual. Just crack, crack, oh, yeah. crack as she's watching. I just felt crying. each one of them cracking underneath my feet. I felt <laughs> bad. Awesome, I felt bad. Oh, that yeah. girl thought – I I mean, I looked like I was just doing it on purpose, you know. 
because I couldn't I couldn't stop myself. But anyway, back to Sounds Houston. Sounds like something Keith would do. Yeah, on purpose. Uh, back to Houston. Uh, you know, I just I just loved what he said. You know about you know shutting the door. You know, Sasha, Sam, Grant, all y'all come in here. Uh-huh. Tua Tagovailoa is not playing. Tagovailoa. <laughs> Not playing, you know. We're gonna we're about to see if this guy can throw on time. And you know, it's fun to rem- reminisce about the good times with Houston Nut because he tell he's such a great storyteller and motivator. There were plenty of times when that kind of talk didn't work out. You know, I can remember just getting hammered by Tennessee sometimes, or um, you know, just uh-huh. some other games where where they just not play very well. But there were times where they really did play above themselves. And um, you know, it's it's fun to rem- reminisce about that. There's been talk about you know getting petition. There is a petition to get Bobby Petrino back to being coach at Arkansas. Um, you know, some people say bring Houston Nutt back, and Houston Nutt's never going to coach at Arkansas. But as far as like bringing him in as a motivator during the off season, or you know before a game or something like that, or uh, the week of practice of a game, I would be all for that. I mean, the guy can motivate. There's no question about it. The guy can motivate. He likes to be in the state. He loves. The oh, he's still he's still Razorback. He's still Razorback deep down. There's no question he is. No, yeah, no. Oxford didn't change him. I mean, and he no. back in his days, those were those those feel like for me, growing up, the good old days. I mean, I didn't yeah. have like, you know, the uh, night. I know a lot of people used to call on the radio shows and talk about. Man, I remember the '64 national championship like it was yesterday. Like yeah. that's not me, man. I don't remember. <laughs> Too much success, but I remember there was a lot of fun yeah. with the Darren McFadden days, Matt Jones. For me in uh, my youth, like my elementary years would have been Ken Hatfield, you know, which were good years. Yeah. You know, so yeah, Houston. So that's was why I thought it was cool to see me. the DMAC, uh, DMAC era uniforms come back. And then, mm. you know, just talking about that, like just the overall feeling of this program, it, it really is sad to say, but it was all kind of captured in a meme how bad it really got mm-hmm. um, against Auburn. It was. Derek McFadden's on the TV. He's got his uniforms on. You know, Arkansas is wearing his uniforms. And then Sam Loy does the uh, fake punt. Obviously, I don't. we don't want to get too much into that. Let's just yeah. erase that from our minds, right? But no, that happens. And then D-Max sit there in the surrender cobra. And, like, mm. it's just perfectly captured everything that Arkansas is going through right now. And mentally, they can't be in a good headspace. It's just almost impossible. And if they are then credit to those guys in the locker room. The fact that Darren McFadden was caught on film in a Surrender Cobra, for those who don't know, this is Surrender Cobra. Are you doing it right now? I'm doing it right now. (laughs) So the the fact that Darren McFadden, of all people, were caught on film in Surrender Cobra, just it it makes me a little teary-eyed, to be honest. It makes me sad. Makes you miss Houston. Do what? It makes you miss Houston a little bit more. (laughs) I mean, there are times – I mean, you – there are a lot of member berries going on right now. And that, uh, there's so many people that, you know, call into drive time and stuff. So, yeah, I go back and watch Darren McFadden era. And I do that, too. I go back and watch Darren McFadden era stuff. And I watch, you know, Matt Jones and, you know, some of the some of the good times in Razorback athletics because uh, we just don't – there's no excuse for this program being where it is right now. I mean, we can talk about they need to get more, you know, more players. They're young. They've had offensive line problems. There's all of these things. But there's no excuse. You look at, you know, Ole Miss as – you know, an example. Ole Miss is in better shape than Arkansas is right now, and they were hammered, hammered by the NCAA. Uh-huh. Baylor, you look at what happened at Baylor a few years ago. I mean, there's not a worse PR thing out there from what happened to Baylor, and they're undefeated right now. I say there's not a worse PR thing. I mean, the Penn State scandal's on equal footing, I guess. Maybe worse. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say which is worse when you're talking about two 
just awful things that happened at both those programs. But Penn State is undefeated. Penn yep. State's undefeated. Baylor's undefeated. Um, Ole Miss is actually, you know, at least competitive. And then here's Arkansas, who didn't go through any of that stuff except for having a coach, you know, go into a ditch eight years ago, nine years ago, whatever that was. I mean, it's not the same playing field. There should, there's no reason that Arkansas should be in this situation that they're in right now. And it comes down to bringing in Jeff Long. It comes in, you know, Petrino. But everything that Petrino built was blown up completely by the by what they brought in with Jeff Long, which what they really should have done is probably given somebody else on the staff an opportunity to win the job. Maybe that would have been the right call, whether that's Paul Haynes or Tabor Johnson or Paul Petrino, you know, one of those guys. Uh, maybe that would have been a better solution to where everything – because you had just a total loss of accountability that year and everything just kind of fell apart. And then, you know, Bielema came in. The first year was just kind of like a learning experience for him. And then I think the stress and everything else got to him too much. His best year, they should have won 10 games. They ended up losing to Toledo, losing on a block kick to Mississippi State. That should have been a 10-win season. The next year should have been a 9-win season. They should have closed out against Missouri, against Virginia Tech. And mm-hmm. if that happens, even if things fall apart the next year, they probably he probably would have been, you know, given some grace. Okay, you know, you had two really good years. You had a down year. You know, we'll give you that. You know, pick it back up in 2017 or 2018. That would have been the narrative that year. But the way they yep. finished those last two years when they should have been so much better, I mean – you almost didn't have any choice but to move on. You didn't have yep. any choice but to move on. And then, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and then, you know, with Morris coming in just last year, just, you know, you can forgive a lot of stuff last year. I, I don't think that it's acceptable the way they ended last season, losing to Mississippi State the way they did in Missouri the way they did. It's just not acceptable. the way. They, and then, you know, going into this season, barely beating Portland State after all that time, all that talk in the offseason, all the stuff you've done. And I said going into that one, the worst thing that could happen, the most disappointing thing, would be to come out and play look sloppy. And they just they just looked out of sync against Portland State, and then of course losing to San Jose State is just I mean there's there's zero excuse, and that's something I, I've compared it to, you know, just getting your leg chopped off, you know, for Chad Morris yeah. in terms of a group of fans that will just never forgive you for that, short of beating a top ten team. I mean that might balance it out, but people never forget that kind of stuff. So. There's a lot of things you can point to. I like that was a great summary. But do you remember when John L. Smith was funny? Yeah. <laughs> like just like three or <laughs> four early. years ago, they're like, "Oh man, remember John L. Smith yeah. smile?" Yeah. That was great. Bobby Petrino used just, to say he opens his heart up and lets everyone in. <laughs> yeah. I mean that stuff used to just be like, okay, it, that it sucks right now, but it's gonna get better. Hey, we hired Brett Bielema, Rose Bowl winning coach. How about that? Yeah. You know, it felt like. Things were going to get better, but they never really Brett did. Brett seemed and like he made some... sense on the outset, except for not having any experience in the SEC. I mean, on the outset, he's a guy that takes less talent and wins with it. But really, I think, you know, looking back, a lot of that's probably the system Barry Alvarez has in place because every coach has come through there since Alvarez has had success now. Every coach has had success. You know what has been really interesting to me this season is what I've been looking at is I remember when Chad Morris was hired, there was a really vocal fan base like, hey, why are we hiring this guy that's never beaten a Power 5 team? Yeah. I just remember thinking that was kind of silly. I mean, he had all the accolades, mm-hmm. uh, you know, recruiting Texas. It made sense at the time. But then as the season keeps on going, you know, this is year two, and he still hasn't beaten a Power 5 team. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, okay, yeah, so this guy's making make sense. So, like, it, all these things that were 
against Morris mm-hmm. coming in that people could overlook. Are starting once to you lose bear to San Jose State, yeah. once you lose to Kentucky, they're starting to actually like bear some weight. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And there are some things that, you know, when he was hired, I remember when he was hiring, because I, I broke the story that Chad Morris would be the next Arkansas head coach. Uh, and, you know, not just broke it, but like guiding people along the way, like this is what's happening behind the scenes. It's building up to it's going to be Chad Morris. And everybody was like, you know, what is the – did they feed this to you? Why are you trying to force Chad Morris down our throats and stuff? And I was like, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just telling you what's, this hap- is what's happening. This is what is yeah. happening. It's going to be Chad Morris. And uh, everybody was like, Why are you trying to force this down our throat? And I was just like, I'm not. I'm just. This is this is the this is the answer for them. Uh, but when you looked at it on the outset, you know, SMU has certain difficulties in terms of recruiting. They they basically have Ivy League entrance standards, you know, and there are other schools with high academic standards like Rice, but Rice just uses, you know, basic NCAA standards. Uh, SMU doesn't. And so that that's always been a hurdle for SMU to overcome. And, uh, you know, there are some other things, his connections with Texas, you know, running the same type of offense as Gus Malzahn, having coached at Clemson, and you saw the turnaround that Clemson had when he got there. So there were a lot of things like that where he's like, okay, this guy could have some success at Arkansas. But, man, right now it just feels like, is he in over his head? You know, is this is this thing going to work out for him? And it's it's just a difficult situation to be in right now. And the thing is, they've had opportunities. Yes, they need to get better players in. There's a catch-22 of you got to get better players in, but you got to win also, you know, to get better players. But it's not a catch-22 at the same time because there have been those opportunities. Kentucky, uh, San Jose State, Texas A&M, all those are opportunities for Arkansas to get into a situation. I mean, if we're sitting here right now and they're four and three, and you're looking, you say there's three SEC home games left. They got to win two of them to get to a bowl game. I think fans are just kind of, I think fans are engaged, looking to the future. They're not doubly excited, but they're like, okay, this thing can, this thing can turn. Well, if you told them that was the alternative to what you have right now, then they would definitely jump up out of their chairs. Yes. Yeah. All right, Pete, we're getting close to wrapping it up. You got anything else you want to leave us with? No key today, right? No, Keith, today, just you. Okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll save it for later then. <laughs> all right, we'll have we'll have Keith again uh, next week. Uh, but, yeah, just, uh, I wanted to get your opinion just because you know, I wasn't able to watch basketball like I was, so I figured we'd go a little extra long with you today. All yeah, right, it'll man. be interesting to see after the second expedition game how they look. Yeah, so we'll get so. back to that. All right, appreciate you, Pete. Thanks, Trey. All right. Bye. All right, that's Pete Rouillet. Pete does a great job for us. Again, for anybody wanting to read his stuff, you can follow him at Pete Rouillet. That's R-O-U-L-I-E-R, Pete Rouillet. Uh, does a great job for us. A lot of his content is free. Does our main, you know, does a ton of our football, basketball, and our main baseball guys well. Uh, if you're interested in signing up at hogsports.com, you want more than just stuff that comes out of practice. You want, you don't want to know just what happened, but what is about to happen. Some more of the VIP stuff, especially what Danny West provides. And sign up right now at hogsports.com. H a w g sports.com is just one dollar right now for your first month or thirty percent off your first year with a seven day free trial. Again, h a w g sports.com. We're going to get to some of your questions here in a minute. But first, I want to remind you, plenty of ways to watch and listen. Facebook Live, YouTube. If you haven't followed the page on Facebook Live, take a minute right now and follow the page. That way you'll you'll get any of our free content will pop up on Facebook Live, including this podcast. Uh, also on YouTube, most of our people that are watching on YouTube 
aren't subscribed to the channel. So go ahead and subscribe to the channel right now if you haven't done so already and hit the notifications bell so you're notified anytime uh, that we upload a new video and share the video with somebody else. If you haven't shared it with somebody who you think might like it, go ahead and do that if you like the content that we produce and throw us a thumbs up right now if you haven't done so already. Only if you like it. If you don't like it, you don't have to do anything. Also available on Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star review. Say something nice about us. We'd love to have that from you. We want people to search for Arkansas Razorbacks and have our show pop up, and that helps when you throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of it also available on Spotify and Stitcher. All right, let's see what we've got here on, on questions. Hein Lee says, Razorback fan contract. I, Razorback fan, take you, Chad Morris, to be my contracted coach to have from this day forward for better, for worse, for winner, for loser, in injury and in health to support and cheer to buy out, do us part, according to the contract, and thereto I pledge my fate. Go Hawks. That's from Hein Lee. Steve Culver says, need to go to junior college and get some offensive linemen and defensive linemen like you and have told Nolan, go get some men. I think they probably need to do that, Steve, for linebacker. Obviously, they lost Martavius French and um, uh, not going to get Bryce Neese and not going to get Tamari McDonald. Obviously, that's, that, that ship has just moved on. They've all committed to Tennessee. So think definitely for linebacker, need to go junior college. That didn't work out last year. They missed out on Lakia Henry, uh, and there weren't any grad transfers that they liked that popped up in the transfer market. So that needs to be a big point of emphasis. Probably not going to be high school ranks, which I hate. I hate that they're not going to get high school linebackers because that has been a problem year after year. They just have not signed. Going back to when A.J. Turner – and Otha Peters signed. They have not signed enough linebackers except for one year, and that was 2016 when they signed D. Walker no longer with the team, Alexi Jean-Baptiste no longer with the team, Giovanni LaFrance no longer with the team, and Dijon Harris, the only guy out of that group who ended up panning out. Also, yeah, true with offensive line. They got two last year, including one who's playing a significant role in Myron Cunningham. Chaboysian one really hasn't. The thing with offensive line that's really hurt them has been injuries. I mean, Noah Gatlin, you know, might – end up one day and you look back, you might say like he ended up being the best of the group on the offensive line, but injuries really hurt them on the offensive line, among other things. I mean, they haven't played well in the first place, but also injuries. Bobby Swain says San Jose State loss was the Citadel relived close to it. Yep. I mean, if you look at the Citadel, they were actually really good that year. I think they were 10-1 and that season. San Jose State was coming off a 1-11 season. So maybe, yeah, maybe it's comparable. Tracy McKnight says, I'm worried the program is at a tipping point. We're about to shift to New Mexico or Vandy type of football program. They're going to pull out of it somehow. I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. It looks really bleak right now, to be honest with you. But somehow, some way, they're going to get back. And I hate the talk about – I hate to talk about going back to the Big 12 or going to the Big 12 and playing back with some of the old Southwest Conference rivals. I just think it looks cowardice if you're like, we can't compete in the SEC, so let's move on. I mean, first of all, everything about the SEC is better from the towns that the schools are located, the programs, the history of the programs, the money that's generated. All of those things are better. Texas A&M's not saying, I want to go back to the Big 12 right now. I mean, people can say Arkansas is a better fit for the tech, for the Big 12 as Texas A&M. Should they leave and go to the Big 12 too? Nobody's saying that about Texas A&M right now, and they're the highest re- gen- revenue-generating team in the country right now, mainly because of joining the SEC. But, yeah, at some point, guys, it's going to turn around. I just don't know when it is. I mean, you can look at other teams throughout the country that have been in the dumps before, and they've pulled it out. But this is the lowest Arkansas has ever been. 
And I don't think the talent warrants, I don't think the overall talent right now warrants where they are. They've got some problems, but it doesn't warrant losing to San Jose State, people. You know that. Philip Mouton says, when will we know if Connor is going to be cleared? I mean, who knows? We're just a couple of weeks away from the start of the season, so I would hope soon, but they've got a lot left. Philip Mouton says, what do you think we should do, cuz, as far as football? I just – I really don't know. I mean, I think it could be really bad for Chad Morris if they lose to San – or, excuse me, if they lose to Western Kentucky and Ty Story walks out of that stadium with one more SEC win than Chad Morris has, which is zero. But there's a lot of – there's a lot to play for left. I mean, there's still – you still want to get the SEC win. I mean, there's still three home games. There's still a lot to play for. It's it's hard to say, but man, it do, it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel like things are going to get turned around ever, right now. I thought things were really bleak before, and and you know they pulled out of it. But Mario Alvarez says forfeit the remainder of the season and join Conference USA. Yeah, it's funny to talk about, but that's definitely not the answer. Galen Brown says this is my first game. I'm I'm going in thinking we're going to lose and lose bad. You didn't think they were going to lose Auburn? Bobby Swain says, huge basketball hogs. Kalen Brown says, can you really say this is what we need to turn Arkansas around? What what do we need, Galen? I have no hope next three years, then maybe, and I'll probably be dead to see it. Bobby Swain says, 52-7 Alabama over Arkansas. I went 56-13, to I believe, was my final score prediction. Ryan Peavy says, great content, trade Did Club Dub kill this season? Club Dub was a mistake. There's not one single Razorback fan that thinks that was a good idea. Just not a good look. Jeremy Wayne Easton says, oh, he's replying to Philip. Bobby Swain says, I know who designed that fake punt. <laughs> I've seen them work that fake punt in practice, and it looks like, you know, it looks a little different because he throws it like a chess pass kind of. Or I guess kind of like that. Um, it looks a little different. I never saw them run it against a defense. I was surprised that they were running it in practice in front of us because, I mean, people could have easily said, hey, they're running this fake punt where they do this. But, I mean, they're not going to do that one again, I can guarantee you. It's kind of sad that, you know, special teams have been a lot better this season. They really have been a lot better. And People can criticize Sam Loy's punting average, but he kicks it so high that people just aren't returning it. Arkansas ranks very highly in terms of number of returns given up and return yardage. So that's all been positive. But, man, it's really marred by the look of that fake punt. Somebody said they ran it on the Golf Channel the other day. They played it on the Golf Channel. And Arkansas has two of the worst punts situations in the country if not the two worst single-handedly two worst in the country the last two years the one against north texas where the guy returned it and this one off you know both of them kind of fakes Britt chancellor says smu is undefeated yes i think an interesting stat you know where chad morris has has gone and left he went to clemson they got a lot better and then he left and they got a lot better after he left he went to smu they got a lot better and then they got a lot better when he left also so maybe that's a sign that he just needs more time to turn things around, get his players in. I know that they have a lot of other players that have transferred in, but still a lot of players are his. Donnie Butt says it all starts with the O-line. That's where we need the most help. Yes, it all starts up front on the O-line. I don't think the defense has as big an excuse. They've been relatively healthy overall. They've been banged up here now. They've been relatively healthy. They did lose Dorian Gerald uh, for this season. 
But that, to me, was one of the big things that you would be concerned about if they have a normal amount of injuries, which I think maybe they've had just a little bit less than that and uh, just haven't been very good overall, haven't been good enough. Played well against Texas A&M overall. Matt Campbell says, I just want to see Morris show some emotion. I'm not seeing it. I love the emotion I see from Tennessee's Pruitt. Not a Pruitt fan, but you got to love his emotion. That's a coach. I mean, I don't know if I'd be pointing to Pruitt to be making a lot of examples. Pruitt has some different qualities than Morris does, obviously. A little more fiery and intense. And I think you maybe need that a little bit. Uh, I think there's a balance. Craddock definitely needs to go, says Clem Clemens. Timothy David Long says, we beat Mississippi State, Western Kentucky, Missouri, finish the season with five wins. What happens then? I think you probably feel a little bit better. I mean, there's definitely a sense of what have you done for me lately. If you go into the offseason with those three wins, I think people feel better about this program. No question. I don't think those are three games that they can't win if they come in with the right attitude. I do think that there is enough talent on this team to compete and win home games like that. All right. We've gone a little long. We've got a lot of questions, but I'm going to have to wrap it up, see if there's anything that's really intriguing. Is he going to get players if he keeps losing, says Stacy Coatney. That's the crux of it all. You know, you want to inspire hope with the players also. You can only do that so long. You And really that kind of stuff in, in, a, in a sense has kind of run out among fans. Uh, with players, you know, you have to continue to sell, hey, we need you. We, we, we have a spot for you. you got to come in and help us here. Um, so there's that aspect of it. Uh, somebody had a great post to me. I think it was on Facebook. But people are throwing up, you know, their arms up because of all the decommitments that have happened lately. But if you look across the SEC, everybody has decommitments. I think Tennessee is at eight. I mean, everybody has decommitments. And Danny West still feels good about Takias Crawford. Okay, everybody, I really appreciate everybody joining me. Sorry we didn't do the show Monday. Just had a lot of stuff going on. But usually this show is going to run every Monday, probably Monday around 2.30, and then Thursdays around 11, 11.30 uh, every, every, uh, every week. And then we do the walk and talk, which has been very popular after games. It's not going to be in Tuscaloosa this year, uh, so won't have a walk and talk, but we'll be on after the game uh, to discuss everything that happened with the Alabama game. So I want to thank everybody for joining us. Appreciate you chiming in. If you haven't done that thumbs up, go ahead and do that now. If you haven't shared it, share it. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe. If you haven't followed, follow. Do all of those things and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts now. I want to thank Pete Roulier for joining us. Appreciate all of you guys for watching or listening, whatever the case may be, and for submitting your questions as well. We'll be back with you guys on Saturday. This has been Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.